Um, listen, my name is Mike. I'm the, uh, I'm the lead pastor here at the Brigham City Campus, and um, I am, uh, I get, we're, we're in the second week of this, of this sermon series called, called Anxious here, and I'll, I'll be honest, um, I was not all that excited about this sermon series when I first saw it on the, on the, um, on the calendar, and here's why. Um, you know, there's this trend amongst Christian churches to sort of, you know, water down the message of the cross. And some churches work real hard at being welcoming and speaking about important things in life, like, like anxiety. Um, but they, sometimes they do that without preaching the hard truths of the Bible about sin and, and grace and forgiveness. And, and in fact, some of them do it without even really talking about Jesus. Uh, but last week, Eric came in here and he talked to us about uh, he talked to us about the, the peace cycle to overcoming anxiety, and he, and he did it. Uh, he talked about going directly to God and to God's Word. And, you know, that's one of my favorite things about our, our team at Alpine Church is that um, our staff works diligently to ensure that we are God-honoring uh, in teaching His Word. Every week, uh, all of the pastors discuss the direction of our messages uh, to make sure that we stay true to the text. Um, so if you missed that message last week, you can, you can go here to pursuegod.org forward slash anxious, and you can get that one. Um, if you go to pursuegod.org, you can find all of our previous messages and, and sermon series, and I would recommend that you do that. Um, oftentimes, you know, we, we can connect. Maybe we've invited people to come to church with us, and, and, and maybe they've not decided to do that, not part, you know, take us up on that offer. Um, but if you share a sermon with them, it might be something that they're willing to click on and listen to because it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's safe, right? They, they don't have to go to church and they don't have to expose themselves to, you know, whatever that, whatever that necessarily means. But, um, so Eric, last week, he talked about going directly to God as we utilize that peace cycle that comes from Philippians 4, 6. And, um, and I think it's a, it's a good method for addressing our anxiety. He talked about, you know, first of all, uh, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, go to prayer about it, right? And then be specific about your needs as you talk to God about whatever it is that you have that anxiety about. And then ultimately, though, it's really important that we, that we uh, turn our hearts to a place where we thank God for the wins that we've already experienced. I thought that was a really good, uh, that, that peace cycle there that's demonstrated in, in uh, chapter 4, verse 6. So we're going to continue on this thread talking about anxiety. And, uh, you know, but if we're going to talk about how to deal with something like that, um, I think it's always a good idea to, to make sure that we have you know, a definition of what it is we're talking about. So we, so we have that in common. We, we know, you know, um, some, some mutual ground here. And I think a lot of people mistake anxiety for just stress in general. Um, but anxiety, according to Oxford Dictionary, is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome that you can't control. Now, I, I uh, added that last part there, um, and I did so on purpose, but, you know, some of you probably added that um, already without me even, even having to. 
Um, in fact, some of you maybe that maybe talking about anxiety gives you anxiety, and if that's the case, this message is for you. So, so today's message we're we're calling this control freak anxiety, um, and you know some of you will recognize this this trait about yourselves, and for others, everyone else around you might recognize this trait about you. Um, I was down here, at the you know at the church yesterday working on on this message, and I was as I was driving home. It suddenly struck me that I might be a control freak. Um, I, I generally love to empower people, and I rarely micromanage. Normally, I, I hate systems, right? I don't like to do something just because that's the way we've always done it. Um, in general, I don't like rules. So I like to think of myself as, a, as an empowering freedom lover in, in most senses. Um, but as I drove home, it struck me that... My desire to live, you know, for, to, for people to live freely from me being overbearing in their lives has also become a bit of an insistence on doing things my way in my own life. I, I really dislike being told what to do. Um, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you can see some, some control freak anxiety in your own life that maybe you, you hadn't previously uh, seen. Some might even wear this title as a badge of honor but I don't necessarily see that as a good thing. See, last week, uh, like we learned in, in Eric's message last week, anxiety is not a good thing. Caring is a good thing, but anxiety is not. And so our big idea today is, what is our big idea? I don't know what our big idea, oh, there it is, is that control is just an illusion. And that's why control freaks uh, get so anxious. See, anxiety has reached an, an ep, uh, epidemic proportions in our culture, and I think it has a lot to do with this sort of illusion of control that, that technology has given us, for example. Um, we can reach anyone, anytime, anywhere uh, at the touch of a button. Of course, the bad news is they can also reach us at the, very easily at the touch of a button too, right? But we have instant access to movies, to our doctors, and even to just random answers, right? Like, you, you know, how many of you guys do the, you know, hey Siri, what's the average rainfall in Luxembourg, right? I, we, do, we do that all the time with our, our Google Home or whatever it is, you know, um, but uh, we can track our kids, we can track our bank accounts, we can track our, our purchases and packages while they're en route from Timbuktu. And so like the kings of old, like pharaohs of old, we kind of have, have these sort of private little palaces that we, that we live in and we only need to speak to turn on the, the lights or the music or to change the temperature or, or whatever. And so in this series, we're kind of, we're parked in Philippians 4 and, and in this chapter, we're kind of uh, redefining anxiety and it, and it offers a surprising antidote to this problem tailored just for uh, control freaks. And it's Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5, <clears throat> and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now, for Paul's hearers, this was probably meant to be encouraging, right? After all, they are suffering persecution as, as first century Christians. They are, uh, um, they're, they're being hurt, they're getting sick, they're, they're being murdered. Um, people hated them, right? Life was hard, but there was light at the end of the tunnel, Paul says. Uh, he says, <clears throat> take heart, Jesus 
is coming soon. <clears throat> but we have a little bit different problem today, right? We love our lives. We love to maintain control in a crazy world. Now, you know, I'm not afraid of death. I've, I've actually faced it on more than a couple of occasions. But I want to be here with my family and friends. I want to see what my wife looks like when she gets old, right? I want to meet my grandchildren. I want to see the, the payoff for the hard work that I've, I've done throughout my life. I want to use the pension that I earned, right? We've created heaven on earth, and it's sometimes uncomfortable to think about eternity. In fact, a lot of us refuse to think about eternity. We can hear things like, you know, the Lord is coming soon. It's almost become a a joke on, on television and stuff. You know, you kind of, you see the, the homeless guy with the cardboard sign saying the end is near or, or something like that. Um, but when we actually really give some, some thought to that, it could cause dread, right? We can sit there and say, am I ready, right? Did I make the cut? Is my, is my name written in that, in that book? That's something to have anxiety about. We don't want to hear that these days, though, because it challenges our ability to maintain control, but it's all an illusion. The truth is we have no more control now than people did thousands of years ago, right? We still die. We still get sick. We still get hurt. Our friends and family still get mad at us and, and hate us, and that's why more than ever control freaks get so anxious. And so that brings us to our first point here today, which is that anxiety is a wake-up call, a thorn in the flesh to remind us of our dependence on God. And that's the beautiful thing about how God can use something like anxiety for our good. It is a warning uh, sign. It is a wake-up call. It brings us back down to earth, and it reminds us of the reality of our condition that we are not in control. We need to reestablish our reliance upon God. And so, you know, Paul learned this lesson for himself and he passed it on to the church at Corinth. And this, in, it, this is, a, you know, kind of a famous uh, passage that, that uh, often gets shared, shared in like, uh, you know, 12-step uh, programs and stuff. And, and in this letter, Paul says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, guys, we don't have the specifics about what this, you know, this thorn in the flesh of, of Paul's was. Some people think that it might have been some sort of like a, an incurable physical condition. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that the point of God's grace is to alleviate physical impairments per se. Uh, personally, I think it might have been you know, more in the line of, of some sort of a sin problem that continued to manifest itself in, in Paul's life. I mean, God's strength, after all, was most apparent when he defeated sin. But maybe it's plain old anxiety. Because 
you know, Paul was, after all, a, a bit of a, a control freak, and that would make some, some sense, because, you know, anxiety makes you feel less than, right? It makes you feel vulnerable, and it reveals our weaknesses, and we don't like that. We don't like to, to be vulnerable, but guys, guess what? That's actually a good thing. This thorn in the flesh opens the door uh, to a, a, a work of God in you and through you. God says, my grace is all you need. He says, my power works best in weakness, but it's also a witness to God's might and his unending love. So maybe a, maybe a, a better way to explain this is to say that we really don't believe that God's grace is sufficient until we understand that we are insufficient. See, the thing is, guys, we can't earn God's grace. In fact, the only thing that, that we can provide to the salvation equation is the sin that made it necessary. It's only through the sufficiency of God's grace that we could experience God's love in action. And then... All at once, everything that we have ever needed is available only through a right relationship with Jesus. And that right relationship demands then that we ask this question, and that is, guys, who sits on the throne of your life? Because that's the question that we're all going to have to answer one day. Who is on the throne of your life? Who's in control, really? Our human condition is that we put ourselves there on that throne, right? And you don't have to look any further than our young children to see this played out. You guys know I've used this analogy several times to talk about our, when we talk about our, our sin nature. You parents already get this. From the beginning, our kids cannot be told when to sleep or what to eat, right? As parents, we just simply make suggestions. Their nature, our nature is to be selfish and self-promoting, always seeking our way. And, you know, maybe that's the, uh, the question that the prophet Isaiah had on his mind when the, the great King Uzziah, um, if you, there's this, this story that's relayed in Second Chronicles and in, in Isaiah 6. Um, when the great King Uzziah died, he had been the king for, for 52 years, and while he was king, Israel was rocking. I mean, they, they had a great economy. They were, they, were, um, they were just doing extremely well. They had peace. They had prosperity. Their military was, was so big and powerful, they could take on any foe. They had, in, their army was 307,000 soldiers. The United, U.S. Army right now is 450,000, right, in comparison. I mean, they were doing really, really well at this time. Life was good in Israel, but Uzziah became so proud of himself, so reliant on himself. He counted on himself all the time, not God. And then he died. And that's when Isaiah had this spectacular vision. Now, I've only got a, a part of it here from Isaiah 6, but this is a, another famous passage about this vision that Isaiah had. But in verse 1, it says, It was in the, the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. See, Israel's illusion of control was exposed when their king, their beloved king, passed away. 
So God gave their prophet Isaiah a timely vision. And the, the, the author, Max Lucado, um, he, uh, he has this, um, this explanation I think is really good. He says, Uzziah's throne was empty, but God's was occupied. Uzziah's reign had ended, but God's had not. Uzziah's voice was silent, but God's was strong. He was and is alive on the throne and worthy of endless worship. God calmed the fears of Isaiah, not by removing the problem, but by revealing his divine power and presence. God's divine power and presence, guys, that is the eternal constant. Kings will come and go. Prosperity will come and go. Health will come and go. But God is constant. So whatever crisis you're facing that seems beyond your control, remember this. Nothing has changed. God was in control before your crisis, and he's still on the throne right now. Everything else is simply an illusion. And this is the big problem for many control freaks that, that includes the entire human race, by the way, is that we see ourselves as the answer to our problems when in reality we are the cause of our problems. We are responsible for our sin problem. If, if you guys have been here for any amount of time, you may have heard us reference uh, uh, the definition of, of sin is choosing to go our way rather than, than God's way. It's a choice, right? We are the cause of our problems because we make that choice. Now, a moment ago, I said that there's a question that we will have to answer one day but I think, guys, that it's a question that we had better start asking right now, right? That, that passage again in Philippians 4 and 5, um, you know, using this as reference, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. See, guys, there's a comfort to those who are in a right relationship with God, but it should stand as a serious wake-up call for those who are not. I don't want any of you to go one more day without asking the question, who sits on the throne of your life? Guys, if you ask this sincerely, I believe you will find the answer. But the, the reason that I say I don't want you going another day without asking it is that our time to ask is limited. You know, Paul says the Lord is near, right? And if if you, uh, if you look back two chapters previous to this, um, he explains why that matters. And in Philippians 2, verse 10, it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. God will ultimately be on the throne of our lives. Jesus defeated sin and death at the cross. His claim to the throne became completely undisputed when he rose from the grave. And that is a comfort to those who believe. But there is a reckoning for those who don't believe that while they live here on earth. So, what's the practical response for anxiety for a control freak? Well, guys, the answer is surprisingly simple. The button's not, but the answer is rejoice in the Lord, right? That is the answer. And it brings us back to that, that passage that we've been in, you know, all morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
Again, I will say rejoice. Guys, Philippians, you know, Larry referenced this in the, in the, um, in the welcome, in the announcements this morning that, you know, it's, a, it's this interesting letter because it's written by Paul while he's in prison, but the theme is really surprising. It's joy, right? Paul has a decision to make. He could focus on the prison walls. He could focus, uh, he could focus on his situation or he could focus on the providence of God. If he, form, if he, if he uh, focuses on the former, that would make him anxious and depressed, right? It would, it would highlight uh, the, the powerlessness that he's experiencing here. It would demonstrate that the control that he loved was phony anyways. Or he could, cho- he could choose the latter that would free him from his dungeon of despair. And he did. He chose the latter. He chose to focus on the providence of God. And he made a habit of rejoicing in the Lord, he recognized that God was and always had been in control. Um, you know, for the last couple of months, um, I kind of been struggling with anxiety myself. And this is a bit weird because like I said earlier, I'm not really one to usually, you know, kind of deal with ang- anxiousness or anxiety. It's kind of a foreign thing to me. But I've had a lot on my plate lately with the the the, the you know, remodeling of, of the building, our ministry here, your families, my family. And so in that time, I've, I've listened to uh, this song by, by this Christian band called uh, Casting Crowns, and the song is called Praise Him in the Storm. And I love it. I listen to it all the time. I listen to it probably hundreds of times. Um, and, and, and over these last couple months, as I've been sort of wrestling with some of these things, I've, I've thought often about this letter from Paul here in, in Philippians, <clears throat> that he was able to have joy, and he was able to preach joy despite his circumstances. See, Paul made the decision to praise God in the storm. And I have no doubt I have no doubt that his flesh would have wanted to be depressed or angry or even scared about the situation that he was in, in prison, right? He's, all, he's had a lot of bad things that have happened to him, but he made the choice to press into God and his reward was joy. And when we realize that there is hope in Jesus' victory over sin, over pain, over sickness, and, and, and ultimately, more importantly, over death, that anxiety has no claim on us anymore. Well, those things used to keep me shackled, you know, here on earth. Those things, though, that used to keep me shackled are nothing uh, but a temporary obstacle. Now those, those different things that I've struggled with, that, that you've struggled with, that Paul struggled with, serve as a witness of Jesus' power. And if you've been set free from that type of imprisonment, you uh, yourself, then you know what I'm talking about. You have been pardoned. You've seen those prison doors kicked open, right? That song that we just sang, right? Oh man, that was exactly this 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 concept being sung out from our hearts. Makes me think of that famous quote from Martin Luther King, where he says, "Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last." Now, guys. As we close, if you are a control freak, um, 
sounds a little bit weird, but lean into your anxiety. Listen to it and let it become your teacher. And here's the lesson that you will learn. You are not in control and you never have been. So let's let that anxiety prompt you to lean into God. Remember, guys, what he said in that, in that passage, his power works best in our weakness. God has always been on the throne. Through all of our unexpected ups and downs, God is still on the throne of our lives, and that is worth celebrating. Let's pray. Lord, I, uh, I thank you for... I thank you for this, this message that Paul related to us and this reminder that um, because of you, because of your sacrifice, because of your grace, these things that have a, a tendency as, as humans to sort of just boggle up and, and all of our, boggle up our minds and, and keep us focused on, the, on the, the bad things in our life, Lord, all of that grace that you've, that you've shown on us puts those things and, and just washes them away. And we have the ability to have that joy. And, and that, that message that you delivered to us through Paul is such a, a fitting reminder as we face the, the ups and downs that we have these days and, and uh, the stresses and the anxiety that we have in our culture these days for a million different reasons, Lord. And I thank you that we have the ability to find joy and hope in you and in our relationship with you. Lord, as we, uh, as we leave here today, um, I just ask if there are people who, who want to be able to experience that joy um, that haven't yet, Lord, I just ask that you would help them uh, to be able to, to get that, the, the clarity on, on what they need to do next, whether they come and talk with me or they talk with somebody. But Lord, help us to, to be there for the people, for our family and friends, even the person sitting next to us today that has that question, that we can answer that and that we can point them to you so they can achieve that right relationship with you. Lord, we hope that you are glorified through this message and through this, uh, this song we sing today. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen.